1: back to the monthly fox hunting episode here on Horses in the Morning, which arrives in your earbuds the third Thursday of each month. Regular host Tara is out gathering intel for next month's fox hunting episode, so sit back and enjoy this previously aired masterpiece from the Horses in the Morning vaults featuring Tara and her previous co-host Emily, along with guests Leah Schwartz, who is the honorary field master of Camden Hunt, and Stephanie Peck, who rides with the Harvard foxhounds. Coming up on today's show, it's all about hunter paces and getting your colors.
2: The hunt season's over, Tara, and we are uh, hot here in New Mexico, and already, it's it's in the 80s today, so we are, um, you know, I'm riding in my dressage saddle for the first time in six months. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I don't, had
0: had you guys closed yet before last episode?
2: Um we were just closing I believe. Our last our closing hunts March 30th. So Okay, uh, ours was March 30th. So how was that? It was great. You know, it was a it was a fun day. We had um we always have a ton of food and um our huntsman and master Brian makes um um makes cabrito which is a sort of a New Mexican Slow roasted goat dish that's actually delicious, and it's part of the whole closing hunt thing where they roast it overnight, and everybody brings a ton of food, and some people get their colors and their buttons, and we also give out a bunch of fun awards. Like um, this year, we gave out uh, best food award and best dessert award and most helpful. Um, we had our 20th anniversary this year and so we had a whole bunch of people who volunteered and so we gave out some awards for that. And it was, it was super, it was a super fun day. It was the hunting wasn't great that day cause it was a little bit warm, um, and windy. So, you know, it's often that way in closing hunt just a little late for us in the season. So how about you? What was yours? Like
0: our closing hunt, I'm trying to remember, I think I think it was one of those lovely Texas days where it kind of was going to rain and then it rained a little bit and the scent was really weird and the hounds were going in all kinds of different directions. So it was a bit of a challenging day as far as the hunting went, but of course it's, you know, we don't have quite the the pomp and circumstance that y'all have with your closing hunt, but we had a lovely time. And I gotta say, I, I have to pinch myself every time I ride Simon hunting because I cannot imagine a more fabulous five-year-old thoroughbred to hunt on than him. So, I just am excited to have had such a phenomenal first season of hunting on him. And his, I know in the thoroughbred world, I'm not supposed to say it because it's on the sire side, but his half-sister was broodmare of the year last year because she was Justify's mom. Oh, So, I'm pretty yes, excited I- about Simon and yeah. his first year of hunting. So, um, and, and going back though, I did want to ask, what was y'all's costume theme for your closing?
2: Oh, you know, it was crazy. It was um, cowboys and aliens. And. and oh, that's a- right. Yeah. There's actually a little funny backstory to that, which is that, that movie, which, um, you know, Yeah, it's not that great of a movie, in my opinion, but it was filmed. um, There's a lot of Westerns that are filmed right near where we are. And um, in fact, there's a couple of movie ranches. And um, so it's a movie ranch. A movie ranch is a movie set that is like an old timey Western village. Oh, how funny. And so if you've seen like Godless or um, I don't know, any of the, recent westerns they a lot of them are filmed at these movie ranches which are western towns basically so that was the theme and we did have some really good aliens in fact it was my job to introduce the cooking award which we gave to one of our members and I, I stood up there and I was like is Ezra here I, I think Ezra might have left already because he was in such a great costume I didn't recognize him <laughs> so oh, that's wonderful yeah, it was pretty fun. You know, we hunt and then we, everybody kind of runs around and changes their clothes in the horse trailer. And then we all convene at our clubhouse. And it's a super, super fun day. So I
0: did kind of enjoy the mental picture um, when we talked about this on last episode. That everyone, like, hunted in their costumes, which sounds hilarious and awful at the same time. So,
2: I can yeah. appreciate that
0: you change afterwards.
2: Yeah, we try to stand on a little bit of ceremony, you know. <laughs> Like like our guests say later on in the show, they talk about you know the fact that it's kind of like church. A lot of people show up on the on the closing day and the opening day, the high holidays. So,
0: so once uh, your hunt season closes, do y'all have summer activities? Or uh, I know this time of year, my hunt is busy preparing for and participating in hound shows. And I know not all hunts do that.
2: Yeah, we don't do hound shows because we're just too far away from any of them. But we um you know what we do do is we have hound exercise every saturday and tuesdays and thursdays saturday mornings and so that take everybody out on that and a lot of people come for trail rides sometimes we have a play day where we do a little horse show uh mini hunter pace cross country jumping uh one may one might which is where you jump a bunch of jumps and in pairs and one person must jump the jump and the other person doesn't have to but you have to jump all the jumps so we do that and then we also have straw bale socials which are really fun that's what we call them and we bring our horses out to one of our master's houses and he has a big arena and he's really close to some nice trail riding and we go either on a trail ride or we fool around in his arena or, and then we have lunch afterwards and we sit around in the shade and and yak and so straw bales they start usually um mid-may and they go once a month through the season and we also do trail rides together and we're a very close group of people and so we just organize adventures and do stuff so excellent that
0: sounds fun
2: it is fun what about you what do you guys do
0: well we're we're pretty busy um preparing for and and participating in hound shows Through the Virginia Hound Show at the end of May, Memorial Day weekend. So, you know, members are encouraged to go out to the kennels as much as possible and help walk out hounds and help, you know, practice showing the hounds. And we actually host a hound show um, here in around Fort Fort Worth, Weatherford area every year. And this year's been kind of a pickle with scheduling. It was originally supposed to be this coming weekend, the 20th and 21st, but It's Easter weekend, so unsurprisingly, a lot of the hunts had challenges with schedules, and so it's been moved to, I want to say, the weekend of May 18th, which is when I will be heading up to the area of Mile City, Montana, my hometown, to go box hunting with some folks from Big Sky Hounds as well as from Red Rock, so I'm bummed to miss that particular hound show, but... I, um it's always fun to watch on social media and just see how our hounds do. And I, one of my retirees, a Brazos Valley Catfish, if I remember correctly, and I'm sure I'll get corrected if I get this wrong, but if I remember correctly, he won some American hound class at Virginia when he was younger. So it's definitely an honor to have him as a retiree at my house because he is kind of fancy. I think he's like 14 years old now, so... He's pretty special.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go to Virginia. Um, oh, yay! Yeah, yeah, go! I used to go every year. I didn't go last year, but this year I'm going to go because I'm I love going to Virginia. It's so much fun. It's in a beautiful place. Everybody has these amazing like tailgates, and yes, I've it's heard seven hundred hounds, the best of the best, and it's very fun to sit at the ringside and test your hound. Confirmation knowledge and see if you can pick out the winners and it's really a lot of fun. And it's a big gathering of fox hunters from all over the country. So I'll be gone that weekend going to hound show and I know Robert Taylor from Goshen Hounds was going to judge your show and he's actually on his way here to do a clinic with us, which he does every April. And I guess we changed his flight because he was supposed to go to Texas on Thursday and he's not now. So. Um, so to judge your hound show. Yeah. You know, was, so I don't that's, that's fun.
0: Yeah. I, I don't I am not sure if if he was able to stay as the judge. I know, you know, the schedulings, but um yeah. we will see. And we'll definitely have to I'm hoping to try to get, you know, to talk to some huntsmen about showing hounds in the next couple of episodes. Cause I do think it's pretty interesting. And that's you know, as as someone who grew up, you know, I showed quarter horses and halter and I, you know, I watched the hunter breeding at the a shows and I think that the hound shows are kind of similar, but I, it's interesting, but so different from AKC and it's, I like it because it's, it's actual working hounds versus show hounds only.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and then we can change the episode name to hounds in the morning special fox hunting issue (laughs) (laughs) I like it because you know we all are all about the hounds as I have been told and which as you get involved in hunting as you know Tara you get more and more interested in the hound work and it's super fun to see hounds you know in their sort of fancy dress as it were all cleaned up and showing off and uh And it's fun. It's a great gathering. So
1: there we go. Well, before we get to our beginner's glossary segment, um, let's hear from our title sponsor today, Horseware. And a lot of folks ask me about Ice Vibe from Horseware, and they wonder why it's different than just icing your horse's legs. So I thought I'd go to the source and uh, listen to this, and you're going to find out why Ice Vibe is not just icing your horse's legs.
3: Hi, I'm Louisa Williams and I'm here today to talk to you about the Five Boots by Horsewear. One of the questions we always get asked is what are we trying to achieve with these boots? Are we trying to make the legs really cold? Are we trying to reduce inflammation? Are we trying to stimulate healing? Well, what we're not trying to do is freeze the legs. The reason for this is if you severely reduce blood flow, you can compromise healing. It's really, really important to understand that over-icing can cause problems and it is important that you keep blood flow in their legs to repair damage. But unfortunately that doesn't happen with tendons and ligaments and some of our studies have shown that when you ice tendons and ligaments they can stay really cold for up to five to six hours. The horse uses blood flow to help healing and help repair so it's really important that we don't compromise their own ability to heal. We must remember the horses have been around for millions of years in the wild they travel between 15 and 30 kilometers and you know their body knows what to do so the whole idea of ice vibe is to assist them to repair the damage not go against everything they've done for hundreds of years so the boots create healing by movement and blood flow the massage effect of it helps to reduce the tension in the tendon, in the ligament, which allows the blood flow into the tendon to help repair. The movement of the massage helps the lymphatic system to move out any inflammation and soreness. We do use the cold packs to reduce inflammation, but again, it's really important not to strip inflammation out of the legs totally. Why? Because inflammation is a marker for the body to know there's a problem. If you keep removing all the inflammation, the body doesn't know there's a problem and doesn't know to repair the damage. The other thing that happens is that You often hear people say, oh he got a tendon injury in badminton, or he got a tendon at Cheltenham. That's technically not really what happens. There's such a build up of damage in between events that when you go to Cheltenham or you go to your event, you just push them over the edge. So the idea behind these boots is to use them between the events regularly, to help that tendon stay relaxed, to help the blood flow into it, and to repair all the micro tear damage that we're doing with with the sports, the different sports we do with these horses. And that is why, that is the whole theory of the ice Five boots, is to really work on repair, to use them between events, to look after the legs, to reduce the high rates of injury we have in the equine industry.
4: Dear Diary.
1: On to the newcomer's diary. Dun, dun, dun.
0: All right, so we're going to wrap it up this month with our hunter, hunting newcomers diary tips. We're going to finish it out with tips 9 and 10. So number 9, look at a map before and after you go out. I feel like this should be a tip for most things. Similar to <sighs> point 7, learning the rough location of where I was going made a big difference to my enjoyment of the day. It was especially helpful if I intended to leave early and get myself back to boxes. I have a large map of our hunt country on my office wall. I mark every meet and try to understand the farms, woods, roads, and copses in that location. If I have one or two names to hand before I rock up, then I can ask sensible questions when I'm there. In hunting, as in life, it helps to know roughly where the hell you are.
2: That is so true.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's funny because I know for, I'll usually look at the Google Maps on my phone, like, right, you know, the first couple of times I've gone to a property, but in Emily, your hunt country might be a little bit different, but we tend to go to the same five or six fixtures, fixtures every season. And I had never just stopped to study the map where we hunt. Well, I work at a land development company. Like we have giant plots of, excuse me, of properties all over the walls. And so I finally thought to at work one day have some of the guys pull up the maps to our hunt property and download them and print a couple of them out. And it really does make a huge difference when you see it on paper versus when you're writing and trying to remember landmarks.
2: It makes a huge difference. You know, in our hunt country, we do also hunt the same five or six fixtures, but there's 26,000 acres in one of those fixtures. You know, it's, it's a huge, enormous amount of territory. So, The first few times, I would say the first two years that I hunted, I wasn't really good about looking at maps. And I always felt, I have a very good sense of direction, but I always felt a little bit like, hmm, I wonder where we are. And the other thing about our hunt country, which is really different from a lot of hunt countries, is that we can see a long way. And there are landmarks that we can note. Like from one of our hunt countries, you can see the Santa Fe ski area. And if you keep that on your left, it'll take you You know, if you ride back to, if you need to go back to the trailers, if you keep the ski area on your left, you know, you can always get back to the trailers that way or the power lines or some other landmark that the field master would point out to me and to our field when I was just starting out. And now that I've been whipping and riding in the hunt for 10 years, I really know the fixtures very well, but looking at the map makes such a big difference because it just kind of lays the, the topography out in front of you and gives you a much better idea of where you are, you know? And plus if you ever want to go back in and you need a partner to go back in, you, you have to know the country. So you need, no need to know where you are, you know?
0: Yeah. And I so, know for me, I remember my dad always, always would give me directions cause I grew up kind of like in your hunt country where we would be on, you know, 30 or 40 or 50,000 acre ranches. And what he notices as a landmark is not the same, particularly as what I would notice as a landmark. And he was famous for being like, there's going to be this Russian olive tree and you're going to don't turn there. Go to the cottonwood. <laughs> yeah. and so then all I would see is the Russian olive tree and be like, dang it, where am I? Yeah. So I, I and now today with these amazing smartphones.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The only problem with smartphone is that if, if you're out of satellite range, you're not going to be able to use it. So that happens to us periodically. We we do try to map our, our hunts with various apps. And there are apps out there that you can, you can download and have on your phone and they'll download, you know, um, like the map of where you went, the track, how fast you went, your average speed. You know, all of that stuff, which is really cool. And one of our, our first field master does that with her phone. But I know there's sections of some of our hunt country where she drops out the satellite and there's like giant swaths missing of the maps, you know. So I think you it's... Are in New Mexico. It also could have been a UFO. Could have been. You know, it <laughs> could have been. You never know. I mean, got all kinds of stuff flying around in the air out there.
0: <laughs> so. so last, but certainly not least, is the imitate success. Find the right people to follow on the day. There is a universe of characters in the hunting field. While you might have a two-star eventer in your field, there's not much point in following her if you're a novice rider. The right person might be the bloke who has hunting 25-plus years in this hunt country. It might be a farrier who only jumps when hounds are running and even then only if he must. It might be a mother leading her four-year-old confidently midfield. It might be the secretary who has to try and stay out of trouble. These are the ones to watch. When they turn left, despite the rest going right, there's probably a good reason. Avoiding a boggy jump, a slope, a hazard. These people made my day better. They know when the field will blast around a woodland for 15 minutes and end up back where they started. These people are gold dust.
2: Again, another truism, I have to say. We, uh, we're we running a column in the magazine called Why We Hunt. And this, it's written by the master of Mill Creek Hunt, and his name is Keith Gray. And he writes every issue and this issue he wrote, he writes about this exact thing, which is that he became a better rider and a better Fox hunter because of the people in his field that he learned from. So important.
0: I love that. That's, that's so neat that that ties in so perfectly with the the next issue or the recent issue of coverside. Yeah. and I, I will say for myself also, um, my hunts a little bit, it's a little bit smaller. And so it was pretty easy to find the more seasoned hunters and kind of stick with them. And I will say that honestly, most of them have come to be some of my closest, especially horseback riding friends.
2: Mm -hmm. So, so did you have a fox hunting mentor, like somebody who you rode with a lot when you first started out?
0: Not necessarily like as a member riding, I just kind of rode with the field and the woman who introduced me to fox hunting had, her mom was one of the founding masters of Brazos Valley. And then she was a, I believe she was a whipper in later. And so she was kind of my mentor to fox hunting. But then when I started showing an interest in whipping and and we'll talk, kind of have have a similar conversation with one of our guests, our huntsman's husband um, he, he was basically the guy that took all of the future the potential whipper ends out and we would all go ride with Bobby Dixon and riding with Bobby Dixon was, you know, you learned a lot about whipping and about fox hunting from watching him, but you, he's got, he, you could just sit on the couch with Bobby for like a week and he could keep you busy with his stories from, being a farrier on the racetrack to fox hunting to riding Bronx. Hmm. Very, very colorful history and storytelling. And, and you'll be out there in a field, you know, whipping, and the hounds will come tearing through the trees into the, you know, an open field is what I remember very specifically. And he's in the middle of telling you a story about the hounds running into the whips and turning them around. And it's like you're living it as he's telling it to you. So he- cool. Yeah. Yes. He's definitely our, our, that guy.
2: Yeah. We have a few of those in our hunt too. And, you know, a couple of people who are really excellent hunters, like elk hunters, bird hunters, and they talk to us about scenting and, you know, how to, how to read the wind and how to be in the right place. And, you know, and that's all information that you can get from a great veteran field member as well. Cause they, you know, You find the right person in your field. They can give you so much information. Absolutely.
0: So Emily, tell us what is coming up in the next issue of Coverside.
2: Well, our summer issue is our art issue. And we always focus it on really great equine and fox hunting artists. Because, you know, there's a whole school of people who paint and sculpt horses and art. And so we have a selection of artists from the um, Equine Art Academy, which is E E A E, I think, Academy of Equine Artists, and they um, they'll be doing their show at the new headquarters building in Middleburg in the fall, and so you'll see some really amazing work in the magazine, which we are reprinting. We also have a great piece, as I mentioned before, about why we hunt and getting you know, learning from people in your field. And we have a wonderful story about an Icelandic that's a field master's horse. And so we're trying to focus on um, interesting different kinds of horses that are hunting. And so that's what's coming up in the magazine. And where can people find it? They can find it at mfha.com. They can subscribe there. Uh, You can find the digital edition at issue.com, issu com backslash eCovertside. Or you can find the uh, website at ecoverside.net And that's with a T, side. So let's get to our guests.
0: So we are excited today to have Stephanie Peck joining us. Stephanie writes the blog, Hand Gallop, which I have been reading for probably the last couple of years. And Stephanie's actually kind of geographically close to me coming out of Oklahoma, and recently I was reading her blog about getting her colors, which we had actually talked about on our last episode, but I wanted to get a story from someone who recently got their colors and is in a, uh, a member of a hunt that's in a little bit less traditional location. So, Stephanie, welcome.
4: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So, if you would start out, just tell us a little bit about your horsey self, where you are, and how you got started fox hunting.
4: So, I'm in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area, and I'm a member of Harvard Fox Town, and I really got started fox hunting seriously about four years ago at the encouragement of a friend here in Tulsa. Um, I evented growing up and I went fox hunting uh, as a pony clubber one time and had a really awful experience. And so I, I was afraid that my horses that I had just would not be good fox hunting horses. And that, that was my experience. Uh, when I went as a pony Is my horse just could not handle it. He kind of lost his mind and nobody had a good time. <laughs> so uh, a few years ago, when I moved out here to Tulsa, I was looking for another community of eventers and couldn't really find one. Um, Dressage is more of a a thing out here. Um, But one of my dressage friends said, hey, you really need to meet another friend who is also an eventer and she fox hunts. And I think you guys would be great friends. And we are. And she was the one who encouraged me a few years ago. She said, I really think you should go hunting. And I said, I don't know. You know, my horse has never been. The last time I went, it was kind of a disaster. And she said, no, I really think you can go. She said, you can go. You can ride second field. Your horse has been on 100 paces. And I think you'll have a great time. And I went. And I did have a great time. And I've been hooked ever since. That's, so,
0: had you taken the horse on hunter paces, or had someone else ridden him and hunter, him or her in hunter paces?
4: I had taken her on hunter paces a couple of times. I think she had been on, with me, maybe three or four hunter paces uh, by the time I finally took her hunting. And m-
0: I've actually never, never done a hunter pace, so br- briefly, can you describe what a hunter pace is?
4: Sure. Uh, hunter pace is kind of like a timed trail ride. So uh, the hunt lays out this course and riders ride over the course um, in teams of anywhere from two to four. And your goal as a team is to hit the optimum mystery time. So nobody knows what the time is except the hunt who laid out the course and the time is supposed to be sort of a, a mimic of what you, uh, how long you would spend out there hunting. So if it was a nice cool day, you might be out for a shorter amount of time because the theory is the hunt would be moving faster. Whereas if it was really warm and windy, uh, you might have a slower optimum time for the hunter pace uh, because the hunt would run a little bit slower if you were out actually hunting. So um, out where we go for our hunter paces, they're usually between an hour and a half and two hours long, which I understand um, through writing about it on my blog, uh, several people who are from the eastern part of the states that do hunter paces have always commented that that seems really long to them. But out here, uh, they are about an hour and a half to two hours long.
0: Interesting. So from there, and hunter paces are usually during the off season, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. So from there you started hunting and so it sounds like your mare took well to it.
4: She did. She was great. Uh, She's a horse that I actually bought from a therapeutic riding center a few years ago and uh, she was not suited to be a therapy horse at all. I was working there at the time and I liked her a lot. She is a a thoroughbred and she is a fabulous mover and I did dressage on her for a few years. Um, But. I took her on these hunter paces and she was just phenomenal. You know, she has such a comfortable canter and gallop to ride and she's a good jumper. um, And she's pretty brave. You know, she goes across water. She jumps just about anything you put in front of her. So she was, uh, she was really excited about going on hunter paces and hunting. And I thought, well, here's an activity we can both enjoy.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
4: Yeah, I was really excited to, to have a horse that seemed like she enjoyed hunting and that I never had to worry about how she was gonna behave. She's always been really good in groups. Um, so if we're hunting and then we have to hold hard all of a sudden, you know, and another horse bumps her from behind, she doesn't mind. She might swish her tail, but that's about it. And, you know, she's really rateable. She's just a fun horse to ride. So I'm really I feel very glad that I discovered her love of hunting.
2: So Stephanie, this is Emily here. um, And I wanted to ask you a few questions about Harvard Foxhounds, because I think it's super interesting that um, you're in Oklahoma, because as you know, Tara's in Texas and I'm in New Mexico. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that club and kind of the history of it. And, and also like, just tell us how you, um, how you got your colors. I think that'd be really interesting to hear.
4: Yeah. So Harvard Fox Towns, I was kind of surprised to find a hunt club out in Oklahoma because English riding is not uh, as popular as Western riding is out here. Um, and I grew up in Tennessee and there are a couple of hunt clubs in Tennessee um, and hunting, I think, east of the Mississippi is definitely more of a thing. Um, but Harvard is a is a hunt club that's been around for about 25 years and they hunt in the Eastern part of the state. Um, and occasionally there will be, um, hunts that will be out a little bit farther West, but our primary fixture is in the Eastern part of the state, which actually reminds me a lot of where I grew up in Tennessee. Uh, the terrain out there is very hilly. It's very densely wooded. And we actually don't hunt Fox. Uh, we hunt coyote. Um, so, we have a, a good crowd that comes out. Um, our season, we run a little bit late. We will usually have our opening hunt in November and then we'll, we just wrapped up closing hunt a couple of weeks ago in early April. And that for us works really well because it's so hot here for so long that if we started much earlier, um, I, a few years ago, we had opening hunt in October And it was just so hot for everybody, for the hounds, for the horses, for the people. So running our season a little bit late gives us more productive hunting days. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've got about, uh, I would say we've got about 50 members. Um, So it's a big club. It's active. And it's very, very welcoming. We have riders that come who are polo players. And they come and hunt in the off season. We have Western riders who come and hunt. Um so they're a very welcoming club which I really appreciate. So um have you said you were uh that that it's been
2: around for about 25 years and are you hunting on on private land or public land or combination? Um
4: we, we are currently hunting on private land and that's been the case since I joined. Um although there is some talk of starting some hunting on public land for the upcoming season. But that's something that the, the masters are still working out with the, the public land people. So that is not set in stone yet. But we may be hunting on public land this fall out in the western part of the state.
2: Cool. Yeah, um,
4: I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: it's fun. We hunt on public land almost exclusively. So. Um, oh, cool. But, yeah, in fact, we just had a little cleanup day. Um, out at one of our fixtures, you know, picked up trash and stuff. So, um, it's still, there's still a lot of stewardship to do, but it's, um, but it's nice to have the option to hunt on public lands. Well, and I'm curious too, um,
0: Stephanie, what, why are they named Harvard? Every time I see that it's called Harvard, I just, you know, assume it's in Massachusetts. And then, and then I'm always surprised when I see Oklahoma, <laughs>
4: I, you know, I don't really know. No one seems to be able to answer that question. Um, in That's funny. Also, there are several streets that are named after. Uh, there's a Harvard Avenue and a Yale Avenue. And so I don't know if it has something to do with that. <laughs> um, which but brings I, me I to I've
0: my never- next question <laughs> then, which is. So you, the, the whole impetus for this was that you recently got your colors. So my first easy question is what are Harvard's colors? Cause I'm also curious to see if they match Harvard, the school. And then my second part of that question is kind of tell us the process and about getting your colors. And if you knew you were getting them and how, what you have to do in Harvard to get your colors.
4: So Harvard's colors are Navy blue and silver. Um, so they do not match Harvard university's colors. <laughs> um, but, uh, I earned my colors a Harvard Awards button first, and then they award colors. So I did earn my buttons last year, and I wasn't totally sure if I would earn them. I would earn my colors this year uh, because I wasn't able to get out and hunt as often as I had hoped I would be able to. The weather caused a few cancellations of hunts or caused them to be shifted from Saturday to Sunday when I already had plans. Um, and there were a couple of weekends I had to work. So I was a little nervous that I might not be awarded my colors. Um, And in Harvard, um, you have to be a full member of the hunt. Um, So you do have to be a member to earn them. And you also need to contribute to the hunt in some way. Um, You can host hunt breakfasts. You can host cleanup days and participate in cleanup days at the fixture. For me, something that I do is we host a fox hunting 101 clinic every fall before our opening hunt. And for the last couple of years, I have given a talk on what to wear. Um, And this is something that I'm always really excited to talk about because I work at a tack store. And so I am very, uh, I guess you could say I'm very up on the latest equestrian fashion, the latest technology so it's really fun for me to go and talk about what to wear um, at the Fox Hunting 101 clinic. And um, you can also help by doing things like attending social events and helping plan social events. Um, we had a puppy auction earlier this or earlier in the season, so it would have been in November, um, because we bred a litter of puppies. Um, that's another way that you can help is to go down to the Hunt's Kennel and help walk the puppies and the hounds, the adult hounds. So there are lots of different ways to help. And earning your colors, um, one of the things that you have to do is involve yourself and and help in whatever way you can. Um, you also have to prove that you are a competent rider, um, which I was excited to to kind of have that acknowledgement. You know, it feels good to have someone acknowledge that like, Hey, you're, you're doing a good job. You know, you are a competent rider. You're able to ride in first field. You know, you understand hunt etiquette and you are a knowledgeable and polite member of the hunt that can help other people if they are having a problem or if they have a question and, um, you would not embarrass Harvard foxhounds if you went to go hunt with another hunt. So I was really excited to earn my colors. (laughs) (laughs) How many
0: other people earn their colors the same time as you? Or does it vary from year to year?
4: It varies from year to year. Uh, This year, we actually awarded colors to some members of Harvard who joined Harvard After a hunt in western Arkansas closed last year, Misty River hunt, and we awarded colors to some former Misty River members. And we also awarded colors to five other people who were like me, who were just Harvard members who had been working for a few years to order or to earn them. So it, but it does vary from year to year, but I would say it probably averages five or six per year.
0: So is it, I'm trying to in my mind's eye. My hunt awards the colors and buttons, and we do the same as y'all do. We do buttons and then colors, and we do it mm-hmm. at our hunt ball. So is it oh, like
4: okay.
0: you cl- like how like what's the is there pomp and circumstance? Is there you know do you do like a clubhouse thing or are you out in the field or kind of tell us like the ambiance?
4: So we award them at closing hunt, and uh, it is always something that everybody knows is going to happen that closing. Closing Hunt is when Hound of the Year, Field Hunter of the Year, buttons and colors are all awarded. So uh, Closing Hunt always draws a big group of riders, uh, people who are either members and maybe haven't been out a lot, and then you have the very dedicated regulars, and then we always have a lot of guests um, at, at Closing Hunt, and... So it's always a big crowd, and it's a really festive atmosphere. So after the hunting day is done and everybody's got their horse taken care of, um, our fixture where we normally hunt, where we hunt most frequently, has this great barn kind of clubhouse area. And you go into this barn, and there are picnic tables set up, and there's music and this huge spread for breakfast. And everybody's really festive and jovial and, you know, talking about how the hunt was, how the season went as a whole, and everybody's excited. And there's just this palpable air of excitement. And uh, then our, our masters will come up and talk about who gets, you know, which hound was voted hound of the year. Then they award a big trophy for field hunter of the year. Uh, and then they begin awarding buttons, and then they conclude with, colors uh so there's this this really festive and and fun atmosphere but it's definitely not a formal or it's a very laid back sort of event um but it is very festive
2: so i read on your blog stephanie that you want to whip in now so um you're are you gonna work on that over the summer and like whip train your horse and you know all of that stuff that you have to do
4: yes that is That is something I I hope to do is to learn to whip. Um, I'm lucky that most of my friends in the hunt have, have done some whipping over the years. Um, My friend who got me into hunting uh, with Harvard was a a whip for Harvard for six or seven years. um, And she has kind of stepped away from hunting over the last few years because she had a baby and just doesn't have as much time to ride as she used to. Um, But I, Talked with her just right after closing hunt and said, You know, hey, I really want to learn how to whip. You know, do you think my horse Gina would be suitable for that? And, you know, can I borrow your hunt whip to try and <laughs> get her used to it? And she said, No, you have to get your own hunt whip. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's good advice. Yeah, get a
5: nice
2: light one. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah, so I'm really excited to try to do some whipping and uh, spend the summer uh, going down and getting to know the hounds better, um, because right now, I I have to admit that I'm not great at telling them apart from horseback, um, especially when all I can do is hear them. Our fixture is so densely wooded that you can't always see the hounds, and so you have to kind of rely on which hound you're hearing, and I have to admit that I am not the best at identifying the hounds by their, their voices um so that's something I need to work on is familiarizing myself with the pack so Um, and then of course getting my horse ready to ready to handle the hunt whip
2: yeah so does um does Harvard have like like in our hunt um we if somebody expresses interest in whipping in we would generally pair them with another whip and like right now we have a young woman who's was interested and she's a she's a good rider her horse is pretty appropriate for the job and she's been pretty dedicated coming out on hound exercise and making a really big effort to learn all the hounds names and you know what they look like from the back of the horse which is different and um, and she's gonna ride um, either with me or with one of our other whips um, in the coming season you know just kind of paired up to see what we do so does harvard do that too
4: yes harvard does do that and i have seen that happen over the last couple of years i have seen people who have expressed interest get paired up with more experienced whips and and go out and and kind of shadow them on a few hunts so hopefully that's something that i can do as well
3: Mm -hmm.
4: cool
0: Awesome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for telling us all about your getting your colors. Um, so, Emily and I have brought it up multiple times. So, we really want you to plug your your, pod, or your, I'm sorry, your podcast, your blog, and quickly tell our, our listeners a little bit about your blog and how they can find it.
4: Oh, sure. Um, my blog is called Hand Gallop, and you can find it at www.hand-gallop.com. Um, and I've been writing it since 2011 um, when I first acquired the mare that I fox hunt on, Gina. And it has spanned all sorts of topics from breeding Gina to moving to my own small farm to bringing my old event horse from Tennessee out to Oklahoma um, to acquiring a slightly younger new horse that maybe one day we'll be Gina's fox hunting replacement. So I really enjoy writing it. And I, I love the, the blogging community. The equestrian blogging community has been uh, so just so fun and warm and welcoming. And I've made some great friends through it. So I would love if people wanted to to read my blog and you can also find me on Instagram, um, Instagram.com slash handgallop, And uh, I look forward to, to hearing from anybody who wants to ask about fox hunting or anything else.
0: Wonderful. Well, I fully intend to invite myself to Tulsa to hunt, hopefully next season. So maybe we'll meet face to face. (laughs) It was so much fun chatting with Stephanie. I've been reading her blog for the past couple of years and really enjoy it. So next we have our monthly um, hunting term. And this is one that Emily and I have talked about extensively. And while I still don't feel like I found... The textbook definition, I found a forum on Horse and Hound, which is a British horse magazine, and the term is good night. What you bid your field master, hunt secretary, and fellow hunters, foot followers, and whoever you leave, regardless of the time of day. And so this was from this is a term that I learned to say when I first started hunting was at the end of the hunt day, you say good night to specifically to the huntsman and then also to the, the staff and whomever else. But this, this was defined by some very British, seemingly very knowledgeable
2: hunt people. Cause Emily, you've heard this term too, right? Yeah, all the time. And in fact, I was told before I ever hunted the very first time when I was 17 years old, somebody said to me, make sure you say good night to the master, the field masters and the huntsmen." And I was like, good night. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. So I do remember that conversation when I was 17 years old. So yes, I've heard it. And I've, despite my knowledge of fox hunting, I don't really know its origin. So I'm waiting with bated breath to hear it.
0: And and I still haven't found the exact origin, but there there was a lot of of conversation on this forum that someone had mentioned to say good evening, and a couple of of self declared, I think they called themselves old biddies, said you never say good evening; it specifically has to be good night. So I, I have made it kind of my life's work in googling to try to find the origin of the term. So I'll come back with that, but. We always try to close the show by saying good night. And so I feel like some people think we just don't know what time of day it is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I really wanted to do that particular term. Right. And you will definitely, if you're new to fox hunting and you go out fox hunting and you say good night to the master, the huntsman, and the field masters, you will impress them with your knowledge of hunting etiquette. So we recommend that you do that. Excellent. Well,
0: I think now we will go to our guest, Lee. So today we have with us Leah Schwartz Edwards and Lee came on today to talk to us a little bit about hunter paces and I'm going to let Emily kind of lead the charge on asking questions of hunter paces because quite honestly I've actually never been to one I'm still I'm the kind of the greenie of the fox hunting hosts here
2: and so Emily it's all you. So Lee, um, tell us a little bit about Camden and, uh, what, what you guys, you know, sort of the, the tone of your club and what you do. And then we'll talk a little bit about your off season schedule, which from your website looks pretty, um, pretty busy. So
5: yeah, we, yeah, we try and keep, um, everything lively in the off season to keep our members, um, still involved with our, with our club. Um, Camden is just known for the great, the great footing here. Um, so our hunting is just, has been great all season. Um, even though there was just lots and lots of rain, it didn't really, didn't prevent us, um, from hunting. We had a couple of days of canceling, but, um, we, we had a great season. Um, and we just, we hunt fox and coyote, um, and actually hunted a lot of coyotes this year. Um, we have a family that lives, uh, or two families, one on each side of our hunt country that that we come across. Um, so
2: um, <laughs> what else would you like to know? Well, how many members do you have, and, um, and you know, where are you located? And, so, you know,
1: uh,
2: yeah. Yeah camden south carolina is centrally
5: located in the center of the state um we're probably an hour and 15 or 20 minutes from aiken and an hour and 45 minutes from southern pines um 30 minutes from columbia our capital uh, we have about 50 riding members um and about 60 social members and our hunt country is about twelve thousand acres um, we have about 60 hounds in our kennels
2: and so um, we've been.
5: Sounds dreamy. 26. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It sounds dreamy. It, it does. Is, lovely. Yeah. So, um, tell us about your hunter pace and you know, how long have you been running it and what is it like? And you get a lot of participation from outside the fox hunting community. And is it kind of a thing there? Camden country? are yeah, so we
5: have a pace um, every spring, and um, we do pull a lot of um, people from our equestrian community into the pace because um, people just want to ride in our hunt country. Uh, it's beautiful, and the, you know, our course is set. It's marked um, very well, and we have a you know, midway checkpoint um, to make sure horses and riders are okay. Um, we had about a hundred participants last year um, so it was a really nice day good turnout, great food. Um, we have three divisions uh, the first is you know, the first field, second field and third field are the or the three times that we're looking for. So you know when you start you are time you know you go out with the time and when you come back in you're clocked back in with the time. Um, and so at the end of the day, we tally it all up and give, that, give the awards out <laughs> during lunch, um, which is just fun. It's just fun for, for everyone, uh, the fox hunters and just the, the trail riders, um, which is a group of uh, the Friends of Hunt Country, which is a group that um, also participates.
0: So I have a greenie um, question. As sure. as someone who has not done a hunter pace, so I, I have a good understanding of what the hunter pace is, and I've, I'm I'm determined I'm going to find one to to join sometime soon. But I, I know that it's there's an ideal pace that is set, and I'm curious how is the pace set, and do, you don't have to reveal any Camden secrets.
5: So um, um, I I normally set the pace actually, um, and I set the first the first field pace. So um, so that's what the, the second field and the third field are basically based off the first field. It's just we, we calculate some, some numbers to come up with the second and third time. But um, you know, first field is is moving along. It's a quick pace. Um, so it just varies. just you just you know, you know the terrain and the jumps and um, all comes into factoring the time. Um, but we go, you know, about seven to ten miles um, for the course. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but um, you're you're out for a while. You're out on course for a while. It's not a thirty-minute or forty-five-minute ride usually. So
2: I guess you can't answer my question about. Um, which is, which is like, how fast does first field go? Cause that was sort of, get so, it away, you know, right? I
5: mean, so right. If you're on, if you're on game, it's you're moving along, you're galloping. Um, yeah. so you just go and ride, ride your first field as innately as possible for the first field riders. And yeah, everybody just goes out and basically tries to set their pace for what they think their field would ride like. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if that's any help. <laughs> no, I like the so I like the mystery to, involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to jump all the jumps or go around. Um and you can go out on So and take your time and do a lot of walking and enjoying the, the beauty of our hunt country. It's just um lots of wildflowers and um you know, we have some reservoirs that we have, and some mild sloping hills through hunt country. So, um, but yeah, and then there are those that want to get out and,
4: and go and gallop and
5: set that first field time. Um, and then we had a couple of juniors that wanted to set the fastest time. So <laughs> that's always um, that's always amazing at how fast they can cover the ground, but.
2: So I have one quick question on that. I know Tara wants to jump in, but um, I, do you have a, like an eventing, you know, you get penalized now for going too fast. Um, Um, You know, we have a time set and we're, you know,
5: we want as close to that time as possible. Um, So you're not, you know, yes, if you're penal, you will be penalized if you go too quickly because you'll miss the, the mark. Right. Um, yeah. You know, you know, First field gallops. They do walk sometimes. Um, you know, depending on the day. Mm-hmm. It's not all go go go. So I guess um, it just is a lot of variables that go into setting that first field pace.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So and, and
0: <laughs> like I said, I, I'm the hunter pace greenie. I grew up on cow horses in eastern Montana, and so is the is the what is the purpose of a hunter pace? And and I'm, I'm guessing that perhaps the hunter pace purpose has changed since maybe they were first started, but is it, is it a way to get people from the community to come out and kind of see what a hunt is like, or is it, is it more of a, uh, a test we, of competitiveness or.
5: You know, well, for our club, it is a, really, we are really not, it's a non-competitive um, event. Um, I mean, People are, this is all in good fun. Um, so it's not like a huge competition. Um, so, you yeah, know, we want to encourage the social side of of our club. Uh, and we have a beautiful lunch, you know, a big spread. So it's just about, uh, you know, our friends coming out, introducing people that, that don't know us as fox hunters. Um, we have a lot of people that come that have never hunted. Um, and just, you know, meet us and ride in our country, which is just a great way to see us and kind of see how we how we go through the woods and see all of our jumps. So um, it's more of just like a welcoming party to our hunt country.
0: So do you get a lot of, of non-members that join you for your hunter paces?
5: So last year we had a ton of people that were not non-members. Um, a large group of people from Charlotte came down. Um, and just from all over really, we had people from the Lowcountry, um people from Columbia, a few from Aiken came down. So really just all over the state. I mean Camden is very lucky. But we are just so it is just an amazing a piece of land that that we have. Um, it's just, it's large and will be hopefully, count fingers crossed, undeveloped. Um, so, and it's just, you know, it's just lovely. We're
2: very fortunate. So is the land, is the land you have, is it your land, the club's land, or is it uh, public land or private land or combination thereof? It's, it's,
5: it's private, it's um, private, mm-hmm.
2: and are For maybe
5: two two to three, there are three major landowners. There are four landowners, but they're just, um, you know, they have given this for the hunt, the Camden hunt, to govern. Uh, We keep the roads clear and passable, keep the jumps up to date. Um, And so we get to, you know, use this land for the club. Mm. Cool. Just great.
0: Well, you have a pretty good amount of land, so I'm guessing that your hunter paces in different parts of your property different years, so people can't guess. <laughs> so
5: they, it varies; it really does. And last year, um, we were uh, on the north side a lot on the north side. So um, I'm talking with our huntsman to see if, what she's thinking. Uh, Melissa Rice, our huntsman, set the course last year. And so she knows some ins and outs that people aren't aware of. So it's fun to see her view of it.
0: So when is your hunter pace?
5: So our hunter pace is coming up. It's in two weeks, uh, Sunday, April 28th. Um, If you go to our website, we have flyers and the forms to fill out, and um, basically everything you need to know. Um, how many? Approximately how many jumps? And the you know the teams consist of three riders, um, three to five riders. Um, you can come just for lunch if you don't want to ride. Um, and you know it just talks about parking and where to go. But www. Camden Hunt is our website.
0: Yeah, you have a lovely website. I checked it out today. And one thing we didn't really talk about at the at the very beginning: um, what's your role with Camden?
5: So I am uh, just I've done a lot of different things this year, but I'm the secretary, the honorary secretary. So I am sending out emails uh, to our members and to the group of people that participate in our horse show and our hunter pace. Um, And so I try and keep everybody informed of what we're doing, when we're doing it um, and keeping our Facebook page up to date.
0: And when, when's your horse show?
5: So we just had our show um, last, last week. And we, you know, we, we do a Camden hunt horse show. We do the hunter trials. We do the Hunter Pace. We have a Gymkhana coming up. Um, so we have a lot of activities. <laughs>
0: so what do you do at your Gymkhana? That's not something you hear a lot about.
5: So that is, um, so uh, So Mary Desports from Doodle Hill is the, the woman that puts on the Gymkhana. Uh, and it's just fun, fun games for the kids. Um, all sorts of, you know, Egg and spoon, um, you know, weaving, games, you know, just all sorts of things. Wonderful. And, uh, we had all we had children and adults ride in it last year. so Excellent.
0: Well, Lee, thank you so much for joining us and telling us about Camden's Hunter Pace. And if I mean, you already said once what the Camden website is, but if people wanted to get in touch with you, if they had questions or wanted to maybe ride out with Ham- Camden later, how would they get in touch with
2: you?
5: Yeah, um, my email is to thecamdenhunt at yahoo.com. And um, I will get your email or Facebook, um, any of those ways.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. It was great chatting with Lee Schwartz Edwards of Camden Hunt and learning all about their hunter pace. And you can find Coverside online at www.ecoverside.net. Or you can read the digital edition at issuu.com, ecoverside Tara can be found at www.bigskybootcity.com or on Facebook. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPad, You go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And if you missed the live show, you can still listen to the recorded version on our website, our affiliate websites, or any podcast players. You never need to miss an episode. Thanks to our sponsors, Masters of Foxhounds Association and Coverside Magazine. Good night. Good night. Now we know what that means.
1: Right? (laughs) (laughs)